Hey guys, what's up? You're listening to Sit Down with Stand Ups. Uh, this week I have a very special guest. She's a hilarious and talented comedian. She's been on Inside Amy Schumer, The Crazy Ones, The Thundermans on Nickelodeon, and The Arsenio Hall Show, to name a few. Uh, she also starred in a Coen Brothers latest film, Inside Lewin Davis, and I was just told that she was on an episode of Parks and Rec. I'm here with the very funny Helen Hong. Yay! Hi! How are you, Helen? Good! Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you. We're sitting in my very hot, hot, hot house in Burbank because <laughs> we had to turn the air off. And the fridge is off, too. The fridge? I know. My roommate's so anal. He's like, do you want me to turn the fridge off? I'm like, um, okay. (laughs) So it's silent in here, except for us. And it's hot, because it's Burbank. And if you don't believe in global warming, (laughs) come to Burbank. Live in Burbank. It's 12,000 degrees. You live right across the street from Warner Brothers. I do. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually could could walk to Warner Brothers, and but I don't, (laughs) because I like to contribute to global warming. (laughs) Just drive somewhere. By driving three blocks. And you were just tindering right now, right? I was tindering before you came because I was having a little bit too much faith in humanity and I needed to take myself down a peg. Hey ladies, if you want to, um, if, you, if you feel too good about yourself and or the world and men, join Tinder. Because <laughs> it'll knock you down. It's the worst though, right? I literally got this guy, I swiped right on him and he immediately started like being insane. And he writes, <laughs> this is so amazing. He immediately sends me his phone number, which is already creepy. And he goes, here's my number. This app drains my battery. Excuse the pun. (laughs) Oh, dude. That's his opener. That's his opener. That was his opener. And then I didn't respond, of course. And he's like, okay, no response. Bye. Obviously, you lack the respect. Sad. I was digging your neediness. I mean, nerdiness. Jeez. will say about tinder is at least it's entertaining yeah it's never not entertaining oh my god i had it for like a week maybe and for for men it's totally different though like i feel like girls get you know crazy people like all the time for me i had it for like a week and nothing happened like there's just like two people maybe that said something (laughs) well i think and i talk about this in my act where men are swiping right to everyone right and women are much more selective obviously um, guys are playing their odds just like <laughs> totally men are just that's why amongst my girlfriends and I we always say once you if you match with someone you actually we have to wait for the guy to actually make the first move right because they've swiped on literally everyone <laughs> so you're not sure if they actually like you or not exactly they're just like oh I know I would never date you I just swiped right just cuz and you heard people actually have relationships out of Tinder yeah that's the reason why I joined Tinder in the first place because I'm not a hookup person right I mean, I'm, I'm like, I want a boyfriend, like a serious boyfriend. But the reason why I joined Tinder at all is because I heard a rumor that people were getting into relationships on Tinder. And I was like, oh my God, people are like getting boyfriends and getting married off of Tinder. <laughs> nope. nope. It was just a rumor. <laughs> Nobody else that I'm meeting on Tinder has gotten the memo. It's such a mean app though. Like I, you just swipe left yeah. and they'll stamp nope all nope. across the like girl's right forehead. Right across your face. <laughs> right across your face. It's so nope. brutal. <laughs> But that's actually why a lot of people I know like it. Yeah. Because it makes them feel powerful. Like, like off with your head. <laughs> nope. At least it's Next. a great game, like, at the very <laughs> least. Yeah, I love that it's it's um, it's it's presented as a game. Like, even if you match with someone, hey, do you want to keep playing? Yeah. Like, it actually asks, do you want to keep playing this ridiculous game? 
But um, but yeah, like my friend Maria and I are doing it together, and she has had such good luck. Like she meets really nice, respectful guys wow. who like want to take her on a proper date, and you know, like pick her up for the date, and they're really sweet. And I get like, hey. Where do you live? <laughs> I can be there in 15 minutes with or without condoms. Ah. And I'm like, oh, gross. What am I doing wrong? Why am I giving off this vibe? It's scary. <laughs> yeah. Would you like actually go and meet like some of these people? No, that's why I can't believe that it exists. Right. Because yeah. I don't know any woman in her right mind who would just show up at a dude's house that she's never met it's before. So dangerous. Or let a dude come to her house yeah. that she's never met before. I mean, I'm all like, I'm not a prissy person. Like, if I meet someone in a bar and I think he's sexy, like, I might actually hook up with him on the first night, but I have to meet him first. Right. To at least get the vibe, like, okay, this guy's not a serial killer. He's a person, yeah. He's an actual person. He's like, he's not going to chop me up and <laughs> bury me in the basement. You know, that's a real concern that women have. That's why, like, I hear these stories. Like, I talk to guy friends and they're like, oh, yeah, I went to her house. She, I just. She was like, yeah, come over. And I went to her house and we had sex. Just like that? I'm like, what? (laughs) Who are these crazy bitches? Living on the edge. That's what I was thinking. Like all these apps that are coming out right now where you can just meet somebody like instantly. Like not only Tinder, but like Tinder, but uh, like Uber and Lyft and stuff. You can just get in somebody's car. Yeah. Like this is a serial killer's like fantasy, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, at least with Uber and Lyft, like they have background information on you (laughs) and they know... You know, because of your phone, like, they know exactly who picked you up and when. Tinder's a complete crapshoot. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe... I just can't believe it. I can't believe it. I mean, yeah. Like, I would totally meet up with the guy at a bar. Yeah. But I would never let him come to my house. No. Although yeah. I let you come to my house. <laughs> yeah. But I have two microphones and a supposedly a podcast, so that's totally okay. <laughs> you, at least, you at least pretended like you have business. But I love that you showed up with an old school briefcase. That's even I, more concerning than somebody on under- Yeah. Actually, I opened the door and you were like, hi. <laughs> I'm here with my briefcase. Hey, I have microphones, quote unquote, in it. I'm like, what's with the briefcase? I love it. Ari showed up with like an old school. It's like, my dad's leather, from like 30 years ago. Leather bound briefcase that you snap. Like there's like there's like there's like passcode key, the key lock on the side, and you got to put in the passcode number. And then click, it clicks open. <laughs> Hello, ma'am. I have your dossier that I need you to sign. Briefcases are never good. It's either like money being laundered or mm-hmm. like weapons and somebody's about to get murdered. Mm-hmm. So that was very risky. It's Hopefully very like far. Mission Impossible, but like the old like 70s version yeah, of exactly. Mission Impossible. <laughs> Charlie's Angels or something like that. It is very 70s, but I like it. Yeah. It's charming. There's so much charming about it. They're like, hello. And then I love that the fact that we're talking into gold microphones. They're gold, yeah. The viewers it's, can't see it. I home. feel like a pimp. Larry King doesn't even have these microphones. I feel like uh, like a like a lady Kanye. Ah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you you're interested in dating, obviously, because you had you started that show Laugh Match. Yeah. And uh, you're also on Setup Squad. Yep, I was on Setup Squad. I was a wing woman on a show on Lo- the Logo Channel. That's awesome. And I just I. I'm obs- I don't know. I I think because I am perennially, perpetually single. I'm constantly single, and I'm like constantly looking for my soulmate. Um, but also, I just I find it really interesting. I'm interested in how people meet. I'm interested in what brings people together. I'm interested in like talking to people who have been married for 50, 60 years and finding out what makes them tick. Right. Yeah. You know. I think because I have kind of a 
bad history. Like my parents didn't have an amazing marriage. They're, you know, they're old school immigrants. So they're, they were not arranged, but sort of like a marriage of like, well, let's just do it. We got to do this with somebody. (laughs) So let's just do it, you know? And, um, and I have a lot of like loveless marriages in my family. I think that's a very immigrant thing. Yeah. Because divorce is very, very frowned upon. So I have marriages in my family where like the couple has lived apart. You know, like one one member of the couple will go back to Korea right. and the other one will stay here and they'll just live apart for five years, <laughs> but they're still married. I'm like, why don't they? No, just... I totally understand because yeah. my parents are immigrants too. Yeah. And it's like a bad Craigslist roommate yeah. matchup. Like, I don't know how it happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, and But they still go stronger than most of my other friends. Yeah. Like, you know, most it's... of my friends' parents are divorced, so this happened to like somehow work out (laughs) yeah and it's interesting with my parents like my parents did go through a patch when i was like in high school and college where they probably should have gotten divorced like it was really bad Mm. they hated each other were fighting all the time but they actually once they got over that that was like maybe a 10-year period once they got over that now they're retired and they're like yeah it's fine whatever yeah it totally worked out (laughs) it works that's awesome we just needed to get the past the 10 shitty years (laughs) those 10 shitty shitty years but um but that's the good part i feel like that's like the old school marriage that i like admire like people yeah. actually would work through some yeah and like now you know it's, it's like, like one bad out. road trip yeah yeah it's, it's over peace out forget it yeah i think i think that's like a society we live in now is everything's got to be easy everything's got to be convenient right. if it's too hard or you actually have to put some effort into mm-hmm. it no people are done yeah done <laughs> what's your ethnic background i'm iranian got it yeah got it so yeah, I, there's probably a lot of similarity, yeah, similarities. Yeah, I think so. Because my parents are from South Korea. Oh, wow. They came, when did they come here? In the 70s. Oh, my parents did too. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it was like growing up, well, you, you're from New York, right? Yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. you grew up in New York. I grew up in New York. Were your parents like strict or were they kind of loose? Strict. Really? Okay. Super strict. I was not allowed to do anything. <laughs> I was not allowed to, you know, ever go to slumber parties and sleep over. <laughs> I was not allowed to paint my nails. What? Until how long? That was considered whorish. <laughs> and I'm like, it's just it's just nail polish. And everybody at school is doing it. Yeah. And they're like, no, only whores wear nail polish. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to pierce my ears. To this day, I don't have pierced ears. Oh, my I'm gosh. I'm probably the only girl you know that does not have pierced ears because I wasn't allowed to yeah. the whole time I lived with my parents. And then by the time I went to college, I was like at this point who cares you know i've lived this long without it so i've never gotten my ears pierced but yeah like all these things that you know it was such a constant culture clash like all my friends are getting their ears pierced and they're like they're they're whores i'm like um all my friends are not whores calm down so when like was going to college was like that a big like oh my god i like went crazy you went crazy yeah i talk about this in my act about how if you're raised really, really sheltered, the second you get any freedom, you go buck wild. So my joke in my act is, um, I lost my virginity within 15 minutes of getting to college. Are you serious? I only slightly exaggerating. <laughs> like I, I, it probably literally was within the first three days. Wow. Yeah, three days. Yeah, because it was the first time I'd ever not slept with my parents in the house yeah you know except for summer camp which was always church bible camp that doesn't count that doesn't count bible camp there's no fucking around in bible camp so um yeah i literally lost my virginity within the first three days of getting to college i got drunk for the first time i smoked weed for the first time i did a lot of whippets (laughs) 
as I told you, which is why I can't remember anything. But yeah, I that's why. What school did you go to? I went to UMass Amherst. Oh, okay. Which, I've heard you know, about Amherst. Yeah. They, they, so they Whippets is the drug of choice. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it was when I went there. Yeah, Whippets. That's amazing. We would get like a canister of like, you know, the things that the refill dust off. W- refill whipping cream. Oh yeah, and you just. <laughs> <laughs> the whippets is the stupidest drug because it gets you high for 90 seconds and then you're and then it's over and it kills like a thousand brain cells yeah. every time <laughs> and you're like that only lasted like 12 seconds i need more <laughs> so you do like eight of them and you've just lost eight thousand brain cells <laughs> which is seriously that's why i can't remember anything like i can't remember just constantly I'm like, where am I? How did I get here? What's happening? <laughs> it's the, the worst. The whippets kicking in. <laughs> what did you study at Amherst? I studied political science and communication oh, cool. because I was going to be a newscaster. Oh, nice. Like, I was going to be like Connie Chung. Do you know who Connie yeah, Chung yeah, is? Yeah. yeah. I was going to be like, You knew about Connie Chung? She's in LA, right? Or was she in... She was national for a bit. Okay, yeah. Yeah, she, I think she started out in New York as a yeah. New York newscaster, but then she went national, so she was like Dan Rather's co-anchor for a while. Right, yeah. At CBS, and uh, and she, I thought I was going to be her. Like, <laughs> good evening, welcome to the CBS Evening News. And then, I, I, so that's what I studied in college, and then my senior year of college, I was like, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this is boring. I don't want to do this at all. This is a horrible job to have. Did you have like an internship that made you like see like? I had it tons of internships. I interned like big places. I inter- I entered at NBC News in, oh, wow. in Washington D.C. I had an intern at a film production company in New York. So I had all these internships, and um, I I saw like you don't just become Connie Chung. Like you right. have to be a reporter first, and the way that the the the, the business is set up you have to start in a really crappy market so when you get out of college they pay you like fourteen thousand dollars to move to you know peoria illinois and you're doing the local news in peoria or like name some shitty tiny town where nobody lives and nobody cares and you're like this is helen hong signing off from nubiala nebraska Wilson, Missouri. And there was cow tipping today. Like, that's literally... <laughs> that's the news. That's the news. Like, and more cows were tipped. Signing and- off, Helen Hall. <laughs> so I was like, this Keeping the dream. sucks. Like, this is... I don't want to do that for 20 years until I make it big enough to be a Connie Chong, you right. know? But at that point, I was a senior. <laughs> and I was like, too late to change my major. So, um, so actually, I ended up moving to L.A. after college and getting into tv production that's what i did and i worked on a lot of reality shows and things like that i started as a pa and because i didn't really have any other skills other than broadcasting right but i'm glad i did that i'm glad i didn't go the news route because i don't i don't know if i would have ever come to stand-up comedy like because it's because news is such a you have to be so serious and you have to be so um in a box you know what i mean like you can't be you can't be on the on the evening news being like ah popping jokes hey uh (laughs) so there was some cow tipping and uh (laughs) i wish i was part of that (laughs) you just can't be jokey jokey right so i don't know i'm not even sure if i ever would have been drawn to stand-up comedy if i had been in, in the news business. Yeah. Because I would have always been trying to be really serious. Well, Brian Williams apparently was 
he was a comic like when he was starting out he's hilarious he's surprisingly very funny very funny every time he's on fallon i'm like he kills that guy's it. hysterical yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but look at how serious he has to be exactly. at his day job yeah so I when did the I comedy mean, kick in was it around the same time in college or no i actually was a tv producer for a good few years oh, wow. before i ever but but the fact that i was you know tv producing is very a loosey-goosey job and mm-hmm. you can be as silly as you want yeah. behind the scene you know you're not on camera so you're like ah, you know making my coworkers laugh and things like that and i think it was a few years of being people being like helen you're really funny you should do stand-up or you're you should, god helen's such a comedian you know there's a lot of that so um, I actually took a class in New York City oh, at cool. Caroline's, which is oh, one yeah. of the biggest clubs in New York. And I didn't know you could take a stand-up class. I didn't know stand-up was a job you could do. <laughs> I didn't know that was an actual profession. I didn't grow up with a history of stand-up because my parents didn't listen to comedy albums right. or anything. So I barely knew who Richard Pryor was. <laughs> I barely knew who George Carlin was. And I feel like still to this day, I'm still trying to learn. Yeah. You know, like, because a lot of people are fans of comedy mm-hmm. before they do. I was not a fan of comedy before <laughs> I did stand-up. Like, I, I did stand-up for the first time and I was like, Damn! When am I going to get my sitcom? Because I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Like, I just didn't know anything good about... Good to go. Yeah, I was good to go. I didn't know anything about the business. But, man, I took that class. And the graduation for that class was in front of our friends and family. Mm-hmm. And it was a big audience. It was like 250 people. Like, we had brought a lot of friends and family. And I was so, so nervous. But I went on stage. And the second I got that first laugh, <gasps> it was like meth and crack and cocaine and heroin all the whippets rolled into one i was like this is amazing i have to do this every day for the rest of my life that's awesome so it was like you took the class and at the end of the class there was like a showcase yeah graduation show okay yep um that was the first our first real performance and that was like your first big laugh that you got my first my first joke i got that first laugh and i caught the bug bad Wow. Like I literally, it was like the heavens opened. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I have to do this every day for the rest of my life. And I have. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I have. I've never stopped. And did you go like, did you play Caroline's like right away? Or did you no, kind of no, like, no. Because, you know, mics? New York, I, New York's a really hard town to right. start. It's very, I mean, you're every night at the clubs, it's like David Tell and exactly. Jim Gaffigan and, you know, the giants of Tom Papa. It's like the giants of comedy are on stage every night. So, you don't just start playing Caroline's, you know, <laughs> as an open micer. But um, but yeah, I did bringer shows. I did open mics for that first year. I actually quit my day job for six months and just did open mics. Wow. And so I was doing, at one point, I was doing five night, five mics a night. Oh my God. For six nights a week. That's so that's amazing. why people say, well, you got really good really fast. And I'm like, oh yeah, I was committed. I was really committed, and that's the beauty of New York. Yeah, is that I was you gonna can, say you can't do that here. The fact that you can, yeah, you can, do, you can literally do five or six open mics a night. Wow, every night of the week. That's amazing. Yeah, so that's why, and I took, I literally quit my day job for six months, and I just did mics, 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 mics. I just dug into my savings. Yeah, you know, and was not making any money at all, but it, I knew it's what I wanted to do. I knew it's what I wanted my profession to be, so I took it really seriously. And after the six months, were you like, did you have like enough where you were like ready to go in and start I was, getting paid I was gigs? good. Yeah, I was pretty good. And I started, I started getting paid gigs probably two years in. Okay. Which is, yeah. That's really quick. Yeah, yeah. really quick. But, but again, considering that I had, you know, because pe- people ask me how long I've been doing stand up and I'm like nine years. But 
nine years in New York City. So that's like, it's like 16 here. years, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, in a lot of other places because of how much stage time I was actually doing during those nine years. So I've been really fortunate that I could cram in a lot of stuff in a shorter amount of time. Um, but yeah, I got I got pretty good. I got not great, but I got much better at a at a young stage. Right, yeah. And um, yeah, I, I started getting paid as a paid comic about two years in. I got a manager shortly after, um, and I was doing road work in the New York area. So that's the beauty of New York too: is you can do a lot of road work. You can do just you can make a living just playing Connecticut, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Long Island. They're all accessible on the train. And they're all on the road, yeah. and you make a decent amount of money, so you can actually make a living doing that, and that's Just, what I did. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Was it like kind of terrifying, though, at first, like to oh, start stand-up in New York? terrifying. Yeah, I'd imagine. Terrifying. It's even more competitive than L.A., yeah? Or is it like just about the same? I would say, yeah, I mean, L.A. is different because you're competing for fame, sort of, right? Okay. You're, you're competing for like TV jobs. Right and TV writing jobs and acting jobs. You know, that part is competitive. Mm-hmm. New York's competitive, just the stage presence. You know, yeah. just, just being on stage. Like like I said, if you are if you go to Gotham Comedy Club on any average night, it's like Dave Attell will walk in. Right. Jim Gaffigan will walk yeah. in. Dave Chappelle will walk in. <laughs> Chris Rock will walk in. I follow Jerry Seinfeld. Oh my God. I had to follow Jerry Seinfeld on stage at Gotham Comedy Club and I was shitting my pants. I was like, because Jerry Seinfeld gets a standing ovation walking in the door. Right, yeah. They say his name and people are on their feet shri- screaming. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the, he goes up. He, he was a drop in, you know, obviously he wasn't scheduled. Did you get bummed? And they for come over and they're like, Helen, you're next. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he just got a standing ovation walking to the stage. What do you mean I'm next? Are you crazy? But I held my own. That's amazing. And yeah. the, what you have to do in that situation, you have to address it. Right. You can't glaze over the fact that. You know, so so the thing that saved me is I went on stage after he got off and was like, oh my God, that was Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> and people were like, woo! And I was like, I'm going to put this on my resume. And they were like, woo! So then, you know, you're kind of, you, you let the audience know you're with them. Right. You're where they're at. Yeah. Right? And you're as excited as they are. And now they're sort of on your side. Right. Because you, you have to address whatever is the mood of the room. Exactly. Right? So that's how I was able to survive <laughs> following Jerry Seinfeld, is to address the fact that I'm following Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> so that was my saving grace. And actually... Did you get to meet him too? No. No. He's pretty, you know, he's all business. Right. Yeah. He likes to just come in, do his set and leave. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't like to hobnob or stay. Right. Um, but actually what was really nice about that experience is I had a couple of seasoned comedians like Jesse Joyce, who's a really good seasoned veteran. Right. And he, he's writes for all the, he wrote, he writes for the Oscars now and all uh-huh. the Emmys and stuff. He came over about a year later. I saw him and he was like, I will never forget how how great you handled following Jerry Seinfeld because I know how nervous you were yeah because I because you I was sitting next to him and I was like oh my god I'm gonna die I'm gonna get up there and I'm gonna die oh my god I can I can't do it I can't do it he's like calm down you're gonna do it but a year later he was like I'll never forget you you really handled that really well and it went and, well and yeah it, it went great really I got cool. laughs yeah 
just you know because i had to because i was like what do i do what do i do what do i that's do such but a it's tough like spot. that's all you can do yeah all you can do is be like holy shit that was jerry seinfeld <laughs> i just opened for jerry <laughs> yeah i just followed it. i just followed jerry. jerry seinfeld just opened for me oh my god oh my god yeah you have to address it and i think that's something that you have to learn just not you know at, over the years you just have to learn to read the mood of the room right and be where they're at because you can't force them to come to you no, like yeah. i couldn't just go up there and be like hey guys so now i'm just gonna do my jokes <laughs> you don't give a shit who i am you're still excited about jerry seinfeld but i'm just gonna ignore that like you can't you know you have to meet the read the mood of the room and, and meet them where they're at yeah and then they're on your side yeah, yeah so totally. that was like a really good lesson that i learned and and now I feel like I can I can follow anybody. I followed Bill Burr and Dane Cook the other day. Oh my god! What, in a, the in succession, in succession. Wow! So I was on the I was scheduled. Where was that Laugh Factory? Or? Improv Hollywood Improv. Improv on Sunday night. I was scheduled, and of course Bill Burr walks in, and I'm like, <laughs> great, I'm getting bumped by Bill Burr. Then while Bill Burr is on stage, Dane Cook walks in, and I'm like, great, I'm getting bumped by Bill Burr and Dane Cook. <laughs> what do they both do? Like twenty minutes. Um, no, they actually did, both did short sets. They were very respectful. Yeah. I think they just wanted to try a certain, you know, very specific things. Mm-hmm. So they both did about 10 to, 10 to 15 minutes each. And, um, cause Dane Cook, I was nervous cause he's notorious for going on and on and on and on. Right, right. He actually did stick to his time. And then I went up, I was, you know, I definitely was nervous. Like that's a hard thing to follow. To follow the yeah. Bill Burr, Dane Cook, double bill. <laughs> and here's Helen Hong. Who? <laughs> so I went up and I held my own for sure. That's amazing. You know? yeah. So I, I I feel like as I as I do this longer and longer, it's like, hey, they're just people yeah. doing sets. And yeah, people get really excited. But hey, man, I'm a good comic too. Right. And I'm going to exactly. get up there and I'm going to like kill it. And again, I, I addressed it. You know, you have to address it. Like, holy shit, you guys are seeing an amazing show. Bill Burr, Dane Cook, and Helen motherfucking Hong. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's how I started. So... <laughs> You know, it's just good. win them over real quick. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> awesome. No, yeah, I've read like that. Just is what makes you a great comic too. Like following having to crazy crazy acts like that. Yeah, I, I remember like Jay Leno and I his book. He wrote that he would follow Richard Pryor at the Comedy Store just because he knew like there's no way there's that no way he could, you'd have to start from zero. Like, yeah, after following Richard, totally. So that's and there are there are comics who I find very difficult to follow. Like Godfrey, do you know who that oh, is? Oh yeah, oh he's holy man. He is a beast. He is a beast and he's so high energy and he's so big and he's so funny and he gets the crowds like they're frothing at the mouth. You know? And so I find he's really hard to follow. Yeah. No matter what I do, I find he's very difficult to follow. But I don't mind. I mean he's he's the best, you know, one of the best. So, um, but you just gotta you gotta do it. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I always wonder. I was like, "What do you do after somebody like that goes on stage?" (laughs) (laughs) So, who are some of like your influences? Because I know you didn't grow up with comedy, but like later on, did you have any people that you really liked? Yeah, definitely. I love Brian Regan. Oh yeah, he's just so great, and he's so. I mean, I think I started as a lot of female comics do. I think I started a little dirtier. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I think it's a crutch that a lot of female comics lean on to be really dirty with material early on because you're like, hey, I'm a cute girl. I'm gonna say disgusting things, and that's gonna get a laugh, right? (laughs) So it's a little bit of a crutch, and I definitely use that early on. And I'm much less dirty now that I'm a little bit, you know, farther along in my career. But definitely I was a little dirtier when I started and I would look at Brian Regan who is squeaky clean. Yeah. And so devastatingly funny. 
you know. And I, I actually saw him once at Lincoln Center. Oh wow, that's it, a it was huge... it was like a huge thou, you know. I think a five thousand seat theater. Oh my god, it was sold out, and there were eight year olds there. It was an all ages show, and people were bringing their eight year olds. And the eight-year-olds were dying laughing. Like, that's how clean he is. It's a family event. Yeah. Totally family event. So, like, people would bring their grandparents and wow. their children, their small children, and everyone would enjoy the show. And that's I just amazing. thought, man, that's, inc- that's a real skill. I had no idea because I thought he was just like a college kind of guy. Like, you would get all those college yeah. kids. But yeah, no, man. Eight-year-old kids Literally in the crowd. eight-year-olds in the crowd. Wow. It, like, like, laughing their asses off. <laughs> and the parents feeling really good about it because it's, like, super clean. Yeah. And so I always thought, because I was dirtier earlier, I was like, oh man, that's such a skill that I don't have, you know, to be so funny and so clean, like a fa- funny in a family-friendly way. Right. And I'm still definitely not a G-rated comic, but I've definitely, I don't lean on the dirtiness as mm-hmm. much as I used to earlier on in my career. So I feel better about that. But, so I like him. Margaret Cho, obviously. Yeah. I mean, She's she great. is, I... There's no way that I would have come as far in my career without her. You know, that she really busted down. Every door that was ahead of me, she busted it down. The fact that she was a female Asian comedian in the 90s. Right. She started in the 90s when there was nobody. Yeah. You know, and she was overweight. You know, she wasn't like classically attractive. Like, I can't imagine, you know, how much shit she got from the other comics and from the industry. So... She was huge in the 90s. Huge. I remember anytime you go to Comedy Central, she was always on it. Like, within five or ten minutes, she would come in and have Huge. And, and deservedly so. I yeah. mean, she's so, so funny. Um, I think she's she's gotten a little... For my taste, she's gotten a little too political lately mm-hmm. with her stand-up. Um, I find it it's very difficult to make political humor really funny. Yeah. So, it's not my taste, but back... I saw her live... Her, um, it was a tour called The One That I Want and it was one of the first tours she did after she had lost her sitcom it was the closest I've come to literally pissing on myself <laughs> like I saw her live and I literally almost peed in my jeans just because it was hilarious it was excited. so funny it was so <laughs> funny I almost peed I almost urinated because of <laughs> because Margaret, of Margaret Cho's Cho. hilarity <laughs> seriously I mean she's so such a beast She's great, yeah. She's San Francisco comic too, and she's she's been around for a long yeah, time too. Yeah, long she, time. So those are definitely two of my heroes, and Louis C.K. Definitely, yeah, for sure. Definitely. I mean, he's just he's just really broken open this great being really raw and really vulnerable and really real. You know that vein, mm-hmm. which I like. That I like sort of the. Autobi- you know, I'm not a huge fan of observational humor. I know Brian Regan is has right. taken that and made it so, so funny. But I think there's also strength in being really autobiographical and really talking about stuff that is happening in your life and making it hilarious. That's, that's the kind of comic I want to be. If yeah. I wanted to be like anyone, I would want to be like Louis C.K. More like personal and... Yeah. Relatable. Totally personal, really talking about real stuff that's going. That's why I talk so much about dating in my life. Yeah. On my act, you know, because it's, I'm, like, lately I'm talking about, I'm on five different online dating sites. Oh. For <laughs> real, no, hashtag truth, hashtag no lie. <laughs> so you have to talk about it. Like, that's what makes it true and hilarious when it's going on in your life right now. I have to. Yeah. I have to. And it's such, there's so much to talk about. It's such <laughs> bullshit. 
so much bullshit. I talk about the one of the things themes that I've been examining lately is, you know, I'll ask I'll ask members of the audience like, who's been married the longest in this room? And there's always a couple that's been together for like 40, 50, even 60 years. And I'm like, how'd you guys meet? And it's always like, we met at church. We were neighbors. I met her when we were both five in nursery <laughs> school. Our families. They didn't really have a choice. Yeah, our families put us together. Yeah. And it's always like these really wholesome, sweet, or we met at work, we met at school. And I'm like, I'm trying to meet my soulmate in the same way that you watch porn <laughs> or that you can buy a blender. Like that's the medium that I'm trying to use to yeah. meet my soulmate. You know, like you guys met, you were you met at church and I'm trying to meet... <laughs> Five different apps running. Five different apps running and, you know, and trying to get the guys to get away from Pornhub long enough to click (laughs) on my face. Like, come on. It's so, ugh. It's horrible. It's not fair, though, because those, like, the people have been together for 60 years already. Like, 60 years ago, there wasn't any of this stuff. None of it. no distractions. None of it. None of it. And, And nobody... Like dick pic, I talk about dick pics in my act. Like, why? Why does a man feel like, oh, I like her? She needs a picture of my penis right now. Like, and I'll ask these couples that have been together for forty years. I'm like, can you imagine if he you took a photo and then went to the photo mat and then developed his prints of his penis, and then three days later in the mail, you're opening an envelope. There's a picture of a penis. Can you imagine? And they're like, uh, that was illegal. It was against the law. Oh my god! I feel like I feel like part of me feels like I'm a little from a different era. Yeah, because I do like I like going on a proper first date. I like when a man asks a woman out on a proper first da- date, mm-hmm. like, "Hi, I think you're very pretty. Would you like to have a drink with me?" I love that. Yeah, it doesn't have to be dinner. You know, it could be coffee. Like, I would love to take. I'd love to meet you. Can I take you out for a coffee? just i love that yeah and it's so that apparently that's just no no it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't happen <laughs> well i i think that there's like it's half of us are still like that and the other half are into this like crazy crazy dating tinder sport. yeah and then but for whatever reason like there's no like cross section or whatever it just it's crazy. it's either you're all the way over here or you're all the way over it's here. true it's true like i went on a date with a guy who i met on okcupid which mm-hmm. is one of the sites that i'm doing and he's much younger than me he's 26 i'm not going to tell you how old i am but i'm <laughs> not 26 and the reason why and i i usually don't go for younger men but i agreed to go on a date with him because he was so respectful mm-hmm. he was like i think you're so pretty you're very funny in your profile. I would love to take you out sometime. I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> I haven't heard that in months. That's incredible that being. you actually said that in the in a proper way. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Please do take me out. But, um, but now I feel like, again, we live in this era of shortcuts and no one wants to do any work. So right. literally the average message I get online is, hey. <laughs> <laughs> then you have to just go from there. <laughs> hey. Really? Hey? Or it's, hey, with like 30 Ys. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do with hey? 
It's a really weird and horrible time to be the Horrible. Human. That's Aziz Ansari. He like studies this stuff. Like yeah. he holds like conferences and totally. like colleges and like just totally surveys everything. And I love it. I love what he's doing. Yeah. I actually and I, I actually recently I've had to be careful to watch his stuff. Like when I did my Arsenio Hall set, mm-hmm. there was a chunk of my um there was a chunk of dick pic material that I had to cut because he does a very oh, similar, yeah. very similar bit. So I've had to really to keep my eye on him as well as Whitney Cummings has been doing a lot of similar stuff right. that I've been doing. So really having to watch them and, and see what they're talking about and not, not have to have overlap. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I love that he's doing that because it's true. Like, the, you know, they're both talking about stuff that I'm talking about, which is like, what the fuck <laughs> is going on? <laughs> what is going on with dating? Like, when did the world become so crazy? Right. Everything's everything's just become insane, and I feel like we're on this really fast spiral of insanity. And I've noticed it right away. Like, I've been doing OK Cupid for a while, and I've actually met some really nice guys and mm-hmm. been in relationships that just for whatever reason didn't work out. But I've met decent men on OK Cupid. But the second that Tinder came on the scene just ruined everything I noticed right away the second it's like a tinder effect yeah there's a tinder effect on all the other dating sites where now they all think it's tinder yeah so now okcupid which I thought was a proper dating site they're like hey where do you live how far are you can I can come can I come over <laughs> what no what are you doing right now it's, they're texting me at like one o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday what are you doing right now uh I'm a brushing my teeth because I'm going to sleep. What, what is wrong with you? You think I'm just going to like let you come over at one o'clock on a Tuesday and we're just going to bang? Like, are you out of your mind? The the craziest part is when I, I was on it and I looked at it, for whatever reason, you probably don't see what other girls are posting. No. But for, I wish I could. You It's... Every girl, for whatever reason, like the third or fourth girl, has a picture of her as her main photo shooting a gun at a shooting range. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that's some sort of like weird self-defense mechanism. Like, hey, like that's don't text me. I can know how to use a gun. Really? But so every girl has a... Has every a, girl has that. You know what's sad? And I wonder what I guys have, because I'm sure real, all guys have the same. I know, I know exactly what it is. What is it? Men petting a tiger. <laughs> Oh, I was doing it's it wrong. It's like men petting a tiger. And I'm like, and me and Maria, my friend, we actually have a, our own podcast and we talk about, all we talk about is relationships and dating. And she's like, what is up with the men petting a tiger? Like, where is this mythical petting zoo with large cats that every man on Tinder is... As a picture. <laughs> it's like, I like animals, but I'm also dangerous. <laughs> That's crazy. I yeah. can tame your pussy, baby. <laughs> I think that's really what... I think that's subliminally what it's supposed to be saying. That's exactly what it is. I could be the master your pussy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Oh, my gosh. It's ridiculous. I, that, I'm glad you told me about the gun thing because I personally have a photo of the oh, shooting, shooting range. <laughs> and I've never posted it on an internet site, but I'm like, I should post that picture. What is, is it? Because like... that's a cool picture of me. I look like a badass. <laughs> shooting a gun no i was talking to my friend about that it's like oh no it's like girls want to show like you know they're one of the guys that like to go and use guns and i was like it's either that or they just like it's complete defense mechanism like no i think i think it makes us feel sexy yeah like there's something about a hot chick with a weapon you know it's like it's like i think i don't know kill bill exactly or, 
or Princess Leia holding a laser, you know. It's laser just gun. frightening in real life. Yeah. When I'm on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, is she going to bring You're the like, gun on the date? It's hot in films, but in real life, that's it's scary. Very ladies. scary. <laughs> and it's, it's always hiking. I like to go hiking, and I like to eat, like, burritos. <laughs> Which is, if we did on one day, eating a burrito and going hiking would be a nightmare. <laughs> We'd have to stop so many times. We would have to go on a hiking trail with lots of bathrooms. I don't know anybody that actually hiked before all this online dating stuff happened. Mm, you know hiking what I is so hate? huge now. You know what I hate uh, is every girl will say, live, laugh, love. Oh, yeah. Some version of live, laugh, love. And every guy will say, I'm living life to the fullest. <laughs> I'm a I'm a glass is half full kind of guy and I am living life to the full. I am like getting the marrow out of the bone of this life and it's like, whoa, dudes. Whatever happened to like just getting through the day? <laughs> yeah, just, are you employed? Like what about like real things? Do you do your laundry? Is that part of your living life to the fullest? Yeah, I just think ugh. it's such a weird time. Such a weird time, and I, I think that we have we spend so much time uh, projecting this image, you know, and and it, it goes back to Instagram and Facebook. Right, like, it's all propaganda, right? Because exactly. we want the world to think that our lives are amazing, so we only post like, ah, oh, I'm doing this awesome thing, and I'm doing this awesome thing, and I'm taking pictures with these great people, and look at how much fun I'm having. It's like, no, dude, you're not Sometimes doing. Sometimes you just gotta be like, yo. I'm doing laundry. Exactly. <laughs> I'm washing the dishes in my underwear and like not a lot of shit's going on. No, the other day I was just sitting on the couch and my friend was there too and I couldn't get reception all day, but I had done something earlier. Like I went to like a lake or something and I couldn't upload it all day. And you were upset. So finally I, I was able to upload it and he looked at his phone too and he's like, dude, you're not at the mountains right now. You're just sitting on my couch. He's like, I thought you were way cooler than this. Ah! And I was like, oh, oh, okay, I get it. Like, it's not right now, right now. Calling me out. So, yeah, it is weird. But, like, Aziz talks about a lot of this dating stuff. And you got to work with them. Yeah. And you got to work with him on Parks and Rec. Yeah. I shot shot scenes with him uh, for a part. I'm going to be in the season premiere of season seven of Parks and Rec coming up, which is very exciting. And all my scenes were with Aziz and Adam Scott, both very good actors. And very, very nice on set. Yeah. Very cool. I didn't get to talk to him too much about stand-up. Like, we chatted a little bit. He's like, oh, I'm doing the Oddball Fest, oh, which right. is a great, you know, huge outdoor venue with, like, the biggest comedians in yeah. the world are on it. And I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. That's so cool. And I know a com- a young, the, the least famous comic on that, uh, on the lineup is a friend of mine, Grant Cotter. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, man, my friend Grant is so excited to be doing it. And he's like, oh, that's great. So we chatted a little bit about that, but I didn't. I wish I had more time so that I could right. ask him about the dating stuff because I do think he's doing really interesting work, you know. And I I like it when stand up teaches me something or makes me think about things. Like yeah. Chris Rock is another great philosopher of relationships. Exactly. You know the things that he says about the differences between men and women and marriage versus being single, and you know it's it's just yeah it makes me think like oh yeah that's true you know like I still think about his bit where he's like. <laughs> women can't go back in lifestyle and men can't go back sexually <laughs> so ladies if you're gonna have a threesome you're having a threesome every time like, <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna do anal it ain't just for his birthday <laughs> 
breaking out that anal every time. And I just think it's so funny because I think it's true. I think it's absolutely true. And I love when I'm like, when I think about jokes years later and I'm like, man, that was so true. Rock is great because he takes both sides. Like, yeah. It's always like, like I remember even that one where he's like, who lies more, men or women? And you think he's going to say men, but he says women. Yeah. And then he totally... You know, does that side, and then he'll go into the men section too and just rip the men apart. But I feel like Aziz does that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I like that. I, I wanna. I think I strive to be that kind of comedian. Yeah. Is you know to to bring some insight. It's almost like a sociologist. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. Studying. Absolutely. And and I think that's what great comics are. Is we're yeah. studiers. We're observers. Right. Exactly. And we're we're just putting a funny twist on our observations. So, how would you describe like your writing style when you're writing jokes? Is it do you write mostly on stage or? I do. Yeah, I I I'm not a very disciplined writer, and I have had periods in my career where I did really try to force myself because I know some of some of the people that I respect the most are really disciplined writers. Like there's a, a comic in New York named Ted Alexandro, who's actually a regular opener for, for Jim Gaffigan. And he's brilliant. Yeah. And he has some of the smartest jokes. And I know he like sits down every morning, it, you know, at a coffee shop and writes for two hours. Wow. And he, you know, will read the paper and he'll read what's going on and he'll just force himself to write every two hours I heard that's what Seinfeld day. does too yeah. just drop it and just and I love that but I when I've tried to do that it's like thud yeah. you know nothing funny is coming out and I start my mind wanders and I just can't so for me the best bits actually come from if I'm telling my friends a story like mm-hmm. an actual thing that's happened like oh my god you can't and they're like cracking up and I'm like <laughs> oh there's a bit yeah so that's how I write, and also um, stuff that I just find enraging, you know, which I think is true. Like, yeah. if something's pissing you off, that's going to make a great bit, <laughs> or if something's making you, you know, making you, like, feel anything, you know, dramatic or out of the ordinary, that's that's the basis of a, of a good bit. So. Do you take those ideas and then try to, like, sprinkle jokes within them, or do you just tell it until you can find sort of like the rhythm? I'll do both. Okay. I'll do both, where I'll turn it around in my mind, or I'll just start thinking about it, or I'll tell... Actually, telling friends or people in my life Mm -hmm. a story is a really good way, because, you know, I mean, why did I become a comic in the first place? Right. Because I'm a naturally funny person. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm funny when I'm just telling stories. Exactly. So that's... That's for me the best and most most organic way of coming up with a bit is if I'm just like how would I actually tell this story to my sister right. or my best friend and there's gonna be funny in there and yeah. I just have to dial that up a little bit yeah so that's the best that's the best bits um, the the bits that endure I find are, are when I've written them that way yeah whereas if I you know I can force myself to write in a style that I think other people write and those are never the most enduring bits. And they're just too, like, close to a script, kind of? Yeah, like, I've tried to write joke jokes. Yeah. You know, because I do, I love a joke joke. And I love comics that do, like, set up. One-liner guys. Yeah, Yeah. one-liner guys or, you know, observational stuff or, like, very set up punch things. And I love that. I I enjoy it when I watch that. But when I try to do it, it just doesn't seem to fit my style. It doesn't fit my personality. And so it feels disingenuous to me like I feel like I'm reading a script right um like I wrote a bit recently about my roommate that actually my roommate (laughs) helped me write where I was like oh my god I moved in with the creepiest old guy (laughs) the creepiest old man and he's so weird and 
you wouldn't believe the stuff that he hides in his underwear drawer. <laughs> you know, like that's a that's a jokey joke, <laughs> yeah. right? There's a setup and there's a punch. And so that's a funny bit. Clean too. Clean too. And you know, and it's a very kind of a predictable joke setup. Mm. And it gets a laugh every time. Yeah. Absolutely. It does well. It's a good joke, but I do I feel it when I tell it? Nope. Right. You know, it's, it's like, yeah, there's you know, it's I think I feel it more if I was telling that real stories of why I had to move in with a creepy older guy, you know, in Burbank. Like there's backstory <laughs> to that that's more resonant with me. Yeah. Than like, oh, this creepy old man, you wouldn't believe the shit in the eyes in his underwear drawer. But I'm <laughs> <laughs> So it's all it's hard to sort of believe in the joke jokes. Whereas like For me. If it's happened in your own life, it's yeah. much easier and more yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so did you, like, when did you move to LA? I've been here now for, um, two and a half years. Okay. Yeah. Fairly new. Yeah. I moved in January of 2012. Okay. Cool. So two and a half years and I love it. It's been, you know, it's so, it's such a testament to if you take a leap of faith, you'll be rewarded. And I totally believe that because when I moved, I didn't have a job. I didn't have a gig out here. Wow. You know, and my New York, you know, colleagues were like, wait, you're moving to LA with no gig, no job, no nothing. You're just going to move there. You know, you're going to have to start over as a new comic there. And I was like, yeah, I know. I know there's going to be some level of that. They're like, you're not going to get the work that you've been getting out here. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm willing to do that. But I, you know. So I, I took a leap of faith. I, I moved here with no nothing, you know. I had nothing here waiting for me, and I just knew that I was going to have to work hard and kind of start over. In New York, I'm very well established. Yeah. Everybody knows me. I work the best clubs in New York, you know. That's so hard, though. So when, when you, you know, you say you work at Caroline's or the Comedy Cellar, yeah. you come over here. Totally. You can't just go on the improv. Nope. You have to do nobody auditions all over Nobody knew who I was. Again. Yeah, nobody wow. knew who I was. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't welcome at the Improv or the Laugh Factory, any of those places, the biggest clubs in town, like nobody knew who I was. That's crazy. And I did have to start over and I did have to prove myself, but the the rewards that I've been reaping, now it's two and a half years in and I play every club in town. Yeah. I, I played Laugh Factory last night. I was at, I was at the Improv following Dane Cook and Bill Burr on Sunday night. You are on Parks three and Rec. Three nights ago. I'm on Parks and Rec. That's amazing. Like the, the things that I've been so well rewarded, I've been... I got to meet Robin Williams. I worked on the yeah. crazy ones. I got to meet Robin Williams like six months before he died. Wow, yeah. You know what I mean? Like this, these are things that if I was in New York, I would know exactly what I'd be doing in New York. The right. same shit that I was doing six months before I left New York. You know, same clubs, same things. You know, maybe a little more, but not dramatic, amazing things, right. you know, which have happened to me since I moved to LA. Like dramatic, amazing things have happened to me. You know that Coen Brothers movie that I booked? Yeah. I booked it after I moved to LA and it shot in New York. Oh, so you had to go back? I had to go back. <laughs> but I swear to God, I probably wouldn't have booked it if I hadn't been moving to LA because I had that, you know, when you make a big decision and you're just like, you have an energy about you. Yeah. Like, I'm doing something big. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm packing and I don't, who knows what's going to happen. You know, you have that that energy. You're hungry that, again. Yeah, yeah, that vibrancy to you. You know, and I went into that audition with the Coen brothers and I probably had that like shiny new kid like, hey, I'm excited. Shit's happening for me. <laughs> 
you know and I think I swear I think that's why I booked that movie and that's I was amazing. like hey I have to move I have to fly back to New York and work as a local out of pocket no problem <laughs> no problem it's a great a- movie too thank was, you was it really fun to work on so fun yeah so fun they don't give any direction which is oh, wow. kind of so scary. Is, is there like a script that you yeah, just yeah. kind of vaguely improvise over? Or? Yeah, like no, no, no. It's scripted, okay. and you have to stick to the script. Right. They don't. Um, I think I think they must probably improv with John Goodman. But yeah. Everybody else, you know, in my scene, they wanted to stick. But what do you mean close. by no direction? It's just like you, just you know, do like your... like like directors will sometimes come over and be like, "Can you try that a little more softer, or mm-hmm. or be a little bit more quizzical, or be a little bit more bewildered?" Right. Nothing. Nothing. Like they just. That's amazing. I think that's a testament to them that they once they pick you, they pick you because they trust you. Mm-hmm. So you do whatever you think you're gonna you you think needs to happen. That's so cool, yeah. Which I which terrified me because I'm a comic, so I need <laughs> constant validation. Like, was it okay? Was it good? I could do it bigger or smaller or softer or you know uh, whatever. You just give me something yeah. feedback, any feedback. But they um, they were very. You know, they, they obviously gave some direction to the lead. Oscar Isaac was a brilliant actor, but there were six other people in my scene and they didn't say anything to any of us. Wow. So they just kind of let us do... That's so cool, though. Yeah. So it was... It's like, it they're was... the directors. They're not going to get involved too much with the actor. Like, just do yeah. their own yeah. parts. That's so cool. And how long was that shooting for that? Like, a couple... Just a... Uh, for me, it was just two days. Two days? Yeah. Because I was only in two scenes. Yeah. So two days and it was really fast. That's awesome. They're very efficient. And you got to play more clubs out in New York too while you yep. were there. Yeah. Cool. That's so awesome. it's it's been going so well. I mean, I can't. I'm so blessed. But I, again, I really think it's because I made a leap of faith. And now that I know that you came here a couple of years ago, that was the same year that Huffington Post put you at the list of yeah. Uh, or is it the female comedians yep, that yep, they love? Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Yeah, that was really cool. You know what is more recent than that, which was the coolest. Um, before it was announced that um, whoever was going to take over for Letterman, Huffington Post did a list of like the best, like they were like a female should, should oh yeah, a woman should be the head of a. Were you late on? Night. I was on that list. Oh my god! They picked like the top fifth, top. I think it was top twenty-five female comedians that we think should be on. Late I heard night like television. Maya Rudolph was yeah. up for it. I was like the least famous person on that list, That's and amazing. it was BuzzFeed, and they didn't tell me they were doing it. Yeah. They didn't ask me beforehand. Like I literally found out because a friend of mine was like, "Oh my god, Helen, you're on this incredible list with all these amazing female comics." It was like Chelsea Handler wow. and Maya Rudolph and Amy Poehler and me. I was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> So cool. So it was so cool. So cool. So I can't complain. Things are going so well. Did you ever get to do a spot on Letterman? No, I haven't done a spot on Letterman. I'm not pursuing a spot anymore. I don't feel like my comedy is really along the lines of what he likes. Mm -hmm. Um, I do want to What does he like? Does he... He likes sort of... He likes what we were talking about. More set-up punch, jokey, a little bit more not personal stuff mm-hmm. more like observations about the world like right. if you watch the comics that he has they're a little bit more what's a good word i don't know i don't want to say vanilla but just a little more less just neutral yeah, kind of. yeah exactly more neutral neutral um topics and and stuff like that right and definitely not 
online dating yeah. from a Asian American <laughs> female perspective. Let's say that. Well, most of his audience is old too, so they might not even yeah. have heard about Tinder. Exactly. Oh yeah, they definitely. He he doesn't know what Tinder is, and no, none of his audience does. So that's I'm not pursuing that. Um, Tonight Show would be amazing. Though. Tonight Show would be amazing, and yeah. I would love it. And I think I am my my comedy is way more along the lines of Fallon. Yeah, Fallon's such a great fan of stand-up comics oh, too. Yeah. That he, you know, I I have this great story about Fallon where I was hosting, I was emceeing a bringer show in New York like a year before I moved. You know, I was just hosting it. It was a, a Gotham. Gotham has a smaller room. It's like a jazz club room, and right. they have like um, they do on off, off nights. They'll do bringer shows there, and it's all new. You know, very yeah. very green comedians who are just bringing their friends out. So from a comedic perspective, it's not great. Right. <laughs> it's not a must-see show. <laughs> well, apparently Fallon lives in that neighborhood. He lives around the corner oh, from wow. where that room is. And so he wandered his in one night with his wife. And it's Jimmy Fallon. I'm like, hey. When he's still on late night? Yeah. Yeah. Still on late night before he got The Tonight Show. But still, like, he's Doesn't Jimmy make, Fallon. Yeah. He's doing great. So I'm like, hey, welcome. Thanks so much for stopping by. Do you want to do some time? I'm the host. Yeah. So I'm like, do you want to do some time? And he's like, no. I just want to watch the show. That's awesome. And I was like, well, I just want to let you know it's new talent. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of younger comic, green comics. And he's like, great. Like, he was stoked. That's amazing. There. <laughs> and he sat with his wife and he watched the whole show. Wow. And he laughed his ass off <laughs> at, like, mediocre-ish jokes. Yeah. And he loved it. He's amazing. And I just thought, what a... Like, that guy is just very into life. He seems he's like the only really, guy on TV that's, like, having fun right now. Like, out just, of all the late night Absolutely. Guys. Yeah. And he's just stoked to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, who... What veteran comedian would sit through a new talent showcase? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right? I mean, even I can barely get through <laughs> it. Right? And he was like... I was like, do you want to get on stage? Nope. I just want to watch, man. <laughs> I was like, okay. That's yeah, amazing. it was great. It's, yeah. I love that Fallon story. Actually, he's, he's, it's, it says so much about him. Yeah, he, no, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad I'm seeing more and more comics like on his yeah. show. I feel like there was a long time where I never was introduced to any comics at all. Yeah, Comedy Central like Premium Blend was gone. Totally, and like Leno and Letterman rarely bring anybody on. Yeah. So. So I would love to do Fallon, and I'd love to do a Conan, just because Conan's oh, a, yeah. a genius, you could and totally I would just do Conan, love to yeah. meet Conan. And I think me standing next to Conan is like a visual gag already, a sight gag already. <laughs> he's like seven he's like, feet tall. He's like two and a half feet taller than me. <laughs> so I would love to get, just get that photo of me standing next to Conan O'Brien. <laughs> but he's a comic, and I'm such a fan of his, so I would love to do his show. Um, yeah, I'd rather do those two shows than Letterman, to be honest. Or even Myers has a lot of great comedians. Coming yeah, on too. Lately. Yeah. So yeah, I would love to. But again, I I I've learned over the years because for years I was so like I want I need to be on late night I need to get a set on late night and I was it was kind of stressing me out, mm-hmm. you know, because it was like a thing that I felt I needed to do. Yeah. But actually, ever since I did Arsenio Hall, which sort of fell into my lap very, very last minute, someone just mentioned me to their booker, and they were like, and they had a fallout, and they were like, let's have her on this week. Wow. It was so last minute, it was so like weird kismet, the world colliding, and what I loved about doing that Arsenio set is, you know, if you do any other late night set, you have to send them a word for word transcript of what you're going to do, and they will red pen it. They will go through word for word and cross out things and say, you can't say this word, you can't say this line, you can't wow. change this line to that. Yeah. I mean, they go word for word. 
Arsenio, they were like, hey, man, just don't say, just don't drop the (laughs) F-bomb. If you do, we'll bleep it. You know? And, you know, I said, can I say dick? Because I do do a a dick pic joke. Yeah, if you say dick, we'll bleep it. No problem. That's amazing. And they just let me do. That's so cool. They let me be me. They let me do whatever I wanted to do. They gave me the parameters, obviously, like within the FCC guidelines (laughs) of like things that are allowed to be said on late night television. But other than that, they were like, hey, man, just do you. And I love that. Yeah. I love that I'm trying, not trying to fit myself into a different peg. Right. You know, then I'm like, and then okay. you can be more relaxed, and it's better for them too. You get a Absolutely. better comic on the show. Absolutely, so. and I loved, I loved that experience. And Arsenio, what a fan of stand up. Yeah. What a fan of comedians, and what an amazing guy. I mean, he he went out into the crowd and he told them he himself. He didn't let the the warm up guy. He went into the crowd during my commercial break and was like. Your next performer is a comedian. She's never done late night before. You don't know what this means for a comedian. I remember the first time I did late uh, tonight show, how nervous I was. Yeah. So please give her a lot of love and a lot of energy. And I was just like, oh my God, Arsenio Hall, you're amazing. So what a classy, classy yeah. guy and such a fan of stand up and a fan, you know, a friend to a comedian. So I was really blessed. So since I did that one, I'm like, eh. You know, it's easy enough. If it happens, if if I get it tonight, show great. Right. I'm not gonna kill myself over it. Right. Very cool. Yeah. And I also, did you also do uh, Sharknado too? I did. <laughs> I didn't do the movie. Uh-huh. What I did was, um, you know, Sci-Fi had this whole week their own Shark Week. Okay. That was counting down to the premiere of Sharknado Two, and they right. made it a whole big event, and they were doing all these, you know, showing all these schlocky shark movies, <laughs> these horrible sea level shark movies, like Mega Shark versus Mega Octopus, <laughs> Sharktopus, <laughs> Shark to Crocodile, like all these ridiculous things. And so they did an original special where they had comedians count down the top oh, 25 awesome. most horrible shark movies. <laughs> and so I, would, I did comedic commentary, and that was super fun. That's so cool. Yeah, and that was a, a great... I love doing those green screen shows where you yeah. can like count down stuff or make jokes about pop culture. I love doing that stuff. And it's a good creative muscle, you know, because they give you a list of things, and you just have like a week or whatever to, to write, make, jokes, write jokes. Like, yeah. just go and make this funny, right? Um, so I love that. It's a really good muscle to have. Yeah, and that's so cool. Fun, yeah, you know? that's awesome. Yeah. And just to wrap it up real quick, I read on your website that your favorite hobby is karaoke. I love karaoke. What's your favorite song to sing in karaoke? I love. I, my vocal register is very actually low for a fee. So I actually have a hard time singing women's songs. So I sing men's songs. <laughs> so I love singing George Michael's Faith. <laughs> Because I got to have faith, the faith, the faith. I got to have faith, the faith, the faith. And then I love singing Bon Jovi and Def Leppard. Nice. Anything in like a dude's voice 80s from the 80s. Metal, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm, warrant. Toto. She's my cherry pie. Anything stupid and ridiculous. If I could, if I could rap fast enough to sing... Um, She's got, uh, she's got big butts and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny, but I can't rap that fast. Yeah. <laughs> my problem is I can't read that fast when it goes I know, on the screen. I can't read that fast and my tongue doesn't move that fast. So uh, I can only get like, my anaconda don't want none if you 
ain't got buns, hon. <laughs> See, I even <laughs> fucked that up just now. So, like, I can get the those slow bits, but someday, those quick someday, are, yeah. I'm going to be able to rap that whole song straight through, <laughs> and I'm going to be stoked. <laughs> Well, thank you very much yeah. for talking to me today. Thank I had a great you. time. Yay. Thank you so much. Woohoo. And do you have any shows coming up this week that we could promote? Um, this, this will air on Monday. So. This week, uh, air on Monday. I think I'm on the road, so no. No. Okay. But you can always check my website, HelenHong.com, and follow me on Twitter at FunnyHelenHong. Perfect. Thank <laughs> you so much, Helen. Thank you. Thank this you. This is awesome. <laughs>